at church. We know what's supposed to happen at this time. I had, we have a routine here, and I don't, I don't, I'm not against routine. I, I like structure. The Bible has structure. There's nothing wrong with structure, so to speak. But we have to make sure that the structure that we're aiming for has a purpose. We, we give into the Lord and to his kingdom in our tithe and our offering. On Wednesday, we give an offering. So that time is good to have that as a structure. We read his word because we know his word is where the power is. It's not Todd going. It's not even our pastor. It's not Matt Fisher. It's, it's not any of you, but it's, it's the Lord. And I think we all know that. We know where our power comes from. I, I, I can hear uh, uh, different ones playing instruments, and I think, man, I wish I could play an instrument. And, 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 I, and I, this is how I feel. I believe that that's a God-given talent that the, God gives the ability for that person to use. And he's given me different abilities that I'm supposed to be using for his glory. I'm supposed to be aiming it. So we'll get back to the scripture. Chapter 13, I mean 37 verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, as he commanded me. And the breath came into them and they lived and stood up upon their feet. An exceedingly great army. So I want to stop there in the scripture. I want, I want us to, to recognize that this house is not uh, filled. You know that, right? Some of you have your own pew. You must feel just, just awesome that, that you came to church and you had your own pew. You can tell people at work tomorrow. I went to church and they prepared a whole pew for me because I'm that special. But in reality, if we look around, the, the place is not full, but it, it's not necessarily the important part. The important part is that you're here. And when he talks about an army standing, and this was a, a valley of the dry bones, and this was representing a whole nation. But understand that the Bible says one will put a thousand to flight, and two will put ten thousand. I don't know what kind of multiplication, I, I'm going to school now, and I don't know what kind of multiplication that is, but it's pretty awesome. When one will put a thousand to flight, and two will put ten thousand, how many will three, five, or this many? With the dedication and the aim that God has for us. Tonight's message is going to be about revival. In this story in the Valley of the Dry Bones, we see that the, everything that was needed was there, but it was in pieces. It wasn't structured. It wasn't together. We understand when he prophesied, when he did as God commanded, then there was a great army that was formed. When we as God's people, when I look around and I see Christians, I don't see the lost. I see Christians. When I look around and I see the power that's in this room, it's unbelievable the potential in this room right now. Unbelievable if we really think about the potential that's in this room right now. Understand that we could be dead, but we're not. Our potential could be done. We could be out of here, but we're not. So you know, what that, you know what that tells me? What I see anyway? God has a plan for this group. We're going to get into it. If you got your, your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 1. One. want to see, want to put this together so that we can see where we are and where we need to be. What's the current situation and what's the end? When I look at planning something, whether it be a vacation whether it be something at work, no matter what it is. You have to understand there's a beginning and there's an end, correct? 
If you left right now and I spun you around and gave you a bicycle and told you to go to the beach in a place that you wasn't familiar with, if you didn't have any GPS, you didn't have anything else, I just gave you a bicycle, you'd, you'd have a hard time finding the beach. And it's a good chance you might just go around in circles, especially if you're in a town like Chapel Hill. Can I get an amen, Mark? Amen. So Chapel Hill has a lot of one-way streets, and if you ain't careful, you'll find yourself on the same street you started at. And it'll just take you around and around and around and around and around. That shows that if, if you don't have direction, if you don't have a plan, then we can go around in circles. And that's not what God's called us to do. And when, when I go on a vacation, I have a plan. I, I say, we're going to leave here at this time. We're going to make a stop. And we're, we should arrive at our destination at this time. God has the same thing for our lives. He, and and that's, I hope I, I bring this out the way God is impressed upon me to bring it out. But there's a beginning, there's a destination, and there's an end. Let's, let's read together 2 Timothy, starting in chapter 3, verse 1. The current situation. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lover of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Does any of this sound familiar? Just just the, the first part of this sounds like today. Just the first part. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. Truce breakers. False accusers. Incontinent. Fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Again, this is today we're living in. This, this describes where we're at today. Traitors. Heady. High-minded. Lover of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. For, sir, for such turn away. Can I tell you the new thing today? The New Age Church talks about being seeker friendly. You know what seeker friendly really means? A gospel that has been watered down. A gospel that is not what God intended it to be. When I say seeker friendly, if you, if you use that term, I, I'm, I'm not coming against you personally. I'm saying what I've seen in other circles. I believe we should be mindful of the people who are coming in this house. We shouldn't look to offend. We shouldn't look to judge. We shouldn't look to turn away. But when we start compromising the word, and we don't in this church, but if we do, it's time to make a change. And I thank God that we have a, a, a mighty man of God that is directing us in this church as, as, as God's under shepherd. And he speaks the word. The way God gives it to him. And, and, and ministers all over this church do that. And I'm thankful that we, as a body, are part of a team like that. 2 Timothy 4 and 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their, their ears from the truth and shall be turned under fables. And, and, and again, that's where we are today. People will take the word of God and twist it. Water it down until it, the, the meaning, the original meaning, is lost. I had an illustration that I've done before. A great illustration of 
grape juice. And we know if, just, just think of that taste when you drink grape juice. It's real rich. It has that rich aftertaste when you drink it. If I, and, I, and I have a one-year-old granddaughter, and we don't want her to have juice that's that strong. So we will put a little juice, and what do we put with it? Water, right? Water that juice down. If you put enough water with the juice, you don't have juice anymore. You have colored water, right? And a lot of times in Scripture, if we're not careful, if we don't take it in context and for what God meant it to be, it's just like that grape juice that's watered down. The original taste is gone. And though it may be easier to stomach, may be easier to take, the original is lost. And now we have something new. When we talk about revival, we have to make sure when we talk about revival, we're going back to the source. Not about what somebody said in the past, not about, not about somebody's feeling or how, how somebody has interpreted or because my family situation is this way or because I know this to be true in my family. I'm going to leave that part out and I'm going to believe this part. How many of you in here by show of hands wants the whole word of God? I know I do. Praise God. I want the whole word. Not, not a watered down version. But the real version. It's sort of like when you go to the doctor. And, and you need antibiotics. Would it be alright if they just took that antibiotic and watered it down with mostly water? No, you want, the, you want the potent. You want the potency of the antibiotic. You want to be. You want to get what you need from that antibiotic. Same way with the word. When we start watering the word down. We won't get what we need. From the word. And I know that this group of people wouldn't want to see that happen. So the first thing is understanding where we are today. If we understand where we are today and where, where, the situation we're in today, we may better see the need for revival. Because it's not the sinner that's going to be revived. We understand that, right? When we talk about revival, we're not talking about a lost person. We're talking about a Christian. We're talking about a saved person. Somebody who is with God. Who walks with God. How many of you ever have been in a place that you feel like you're in a dry place? You feel like that you're, you're in a desert place. And there's times certainly that we feel that way. And in, in those times we should draw closer to God. And we're going to see why a little later. So the, the next topic here, the next thing we move away from the current situation and we get into the how we get to revival. So we know we need revival. We recognize the need for revival. But how do we get revival? Because a lot of people are good at saying what we need, but how do we get there? When I was first married, and Jamie, I, this is the last story, I think. I don't have anything in my notes, but I think this is the last story. When I was first married... Jamie said we needed a new house. Needed, needed a new house. We needed a new house. And I looked up and the roof was still there on the, the trailer we were in. The floor was stable in the single wide trailer. Yes, we had three kids in a three bedroom trailer, but we were making it okay. And the trailer was paid for. But we needed a new house. We needed a new house. 
I learned real quick at a young age the difference between wants and needs. Real easy. It's real easy to see how a, a, a paid-for trailer and a thousand-dollar-a-month house payment differs. Right? I can tell you, church, right now, we may want revival. That may be what you want. Or you may not want revival, but I can tell you we need revival. And it's not in the sense that my wife said we needed a new house. This is in a sense that we need revival. Revival needs to come to Bethel. Help me, Jesus. Listen. I, and I, you say, well, what are you saying, Todd? You're saying you got revival, you carried it. I don't have a suitcase. I didn't, I didn't bring revival with me. But I can tell you this, and I've learned this from the years that I've lived, that I can be excited and have zeal for the Lord no matter what my surroundings are. So where is revival going to start? Young men in uh, uh, the boys club, the, the Royal Rangers, are going to start a fire in the fire pit. Do you think they're going to put wood down in the fire pit and just look at it? They're just going to say, sooner or later it's going to catch on fire. Sooner or later we're going to have a fire, guys. Just just hang in there. You know what somebody's going to have to do? They're going to have to do something about it. Somebody's going to have to bend down and and prepare that pit and start a fire. And and, and God has just chosen me tonight to be the one to bend down. And, And a lot of you are already on fire. And I can, I can sense it. But I can tell you what happens. Like what we started out with. Routine takes over at, at, a, at a certain time. Where you're doing everything the same way. And, and you don't mean to do it. But we get into a, a rut. And we're doing it the same way that we've always done it. And God's saying, ah, we need revival. We need to wake up. We don't need to do it because we've always done it. We need to do it because we love Him. The boys don't have to build a fire, but I can tell you they, they, they're excited about the fire that's being built. And I can tell you right now when that fire gets built, it's going to burn. And if the revival, if revival ever sweeps through this place, there'll be no turning back. And I can tell you right now, I'm, I'm encouraged. I, I left church to, to work on my studies for a, a few weeks. And when I came back, and, and I'm not saying anything was wrong before I left. Everything was going good. Loving people, everybody was good. And I come back and I've been to two services and I've already heard two people speak in tongues and interpret, uh, interpret, uh, interpretation of those tongues came out in that service. It, it seems like to me there's a fire starting, Brother Dan. Don't you think? Seems like there's a, a little fire starting and starting to move. But what we have to do is keep the fire going. And, and, and this is how we do it. The next point, prayer. We're going to have a study on prayer coming up real real soon. Not this Saturday, but next we're going to watch the war room. And then we're going to start a five-week Bible study about prayer. And it may, it may cross your mind to think that this is going to be a boring Bible study. But I guarantee you it's going to be powerful. I guarantee you if you come, it'll be powerful. And the Friday night that we pray this coming Friday is going to be powerful. Brother Dan's... And, and, and a few others have, have kept prayer going. And that's what brings revival. When we get uh, down to business with God, when we get close to Him, things change. The atmosphere will change. The environment will change. 
when we have conflict. It's easier to deal with conflict when you got praying people in the house. Come on, somebody. When you got people who have dedicated their, themselves to prayer, it's a whole lot easier to, to deal with the conflict that's coming. And I promise you, it's coming. Not because it's Bethel, but because we're people. You have your way, I have my way. Everybody has their own way. And when you try to bring those people together, you're going to have conflict. But I can tell you what will ease that conflict. Psalms 85 and 6 says this. Will thou, thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. So we see the situation that we're in now. And now we have to do something about it. The psalmist said, Will thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. Psalms 51 and 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Thank you, Jesus. Can I tell you, I think it's time that we all, all, all seek God. And seek Him like He's asked us to seek Him. When we think about David and what David did. When we think about how he sinned against God. Why, did, why do you think God said he was a man after my own heart? A man after God's own heart. I believe it was because no matter what happened in David's life. Yes, he slipped. Yes, he did wrong. But what would he do? He would always go back to God. He would say, God, here I am. Broken. Worth nothing. Take me, Lord. Fix me, Lord. And I think a, a lot of us today need to say that to God. Here I am, God. He, and, and, and understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying, suggesting that any of us have just completely just gone off the rails here. This is what happens in a, in a Christian's life. I believe we get hit. If we're doing what God tells us to do, and we're living a life that God has called us to, we're going to get hit. Some people call it persecution. We'll be persecuted for the God that we serve. Other gods are not so persecuted. You have worldly people who will champion a Muslim or champion other gods. But when it comes to Christianity, we're not championed. We're persecuted. You know why we are? Because the Bible said we would be. Why would we expect any different than what Jesus got? Jesus was perfect and they crucified him. Now, he was crucified for a purpose, but understand all through the New Testament, we're told that we're going to have a cross. Pick up your cross and follow me. Crucify yourself. These are things for the Christian that we have to understand, that we have to endure. Understand that when we, understand, when we come to an understanding that is God's will and not our own, like when he said, David said, create in me a uh, a new heart, O oh Lord. He didn't say, I'm going to do something. I'm going to read a self-help book and I'm going to change my attitude. He said, Lord, it's going to come from you. If I get what I need, it's going to come from you. The church has to say that. I cannot do it in myself. It's not what my mind says I can do. It's not what my heart says I can do. It's what you say I can do, O oh God. And when we come to terms with that, I think we're going to see a move of God like we've never seen before. I believe that. I believe it's coming. And I, I believe it's not by coincidence that God has laid this on my heart for tonight. I believe there's others who feel the same way. There's a prerequisite for certain things. 
We talk about prayer for revival, seeing the need for revival, calling out to God for revival. God, cleanse me. Wash my hands, Lord. Make me clean so I may be uh, uh, worthy of your service. Prerequisite means something that has to take place before you can move to the next stage. A lot of times in school you'll have a prerequisite. It may be uh, an advanced class that you have to take a, a, a reading or a math or whatever it is to get to the next level. And I think we have the same thing when it comes to revival. I believe God right now could come through this place like the day of Acts. But there's some conditions that have to take place. The disciples, and we'll get to that scripture, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but the disciples didn't stumble into the upper room. They didn't happen there and just wait five minutes and nothing happened. Well, I guess he's not going to show up. They tarried. They were dedicated. They had their minds made up. And just like the archery story, they were aimed toward a bullseye. And I believe that when we read it, you're going to see that bullseye was hit. They did exactly what God told them to do, and God moved. And the results of that moving changed the world forever. We'll get there. James 4 and 8 says, draw nigh to God. Prerequisites for revival. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw nigh to God. Draw close to God. This is what God is requiring from us, that we draw close to him. Second Chronicles 7, 14, a very familiar passage of scripture. If my people, if, being the key word here, if, if is two letters, I-F, but it holds so much in that one. It's, it's like a balance of a scale. It's so small, but so crucial. If, I-F, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. I submit to you right now, we need a healing in this land. In Durham, North Carolina, we need a healing in this land right now. And it's going to come not by anything but the if in this, in this passage. If we obey God, then we're going to see a healing. If we do what God says, we're going to see revival. If we don't, that's where it will end. But if we will obey what God said, a couple of things he said, humble. The word humble, meaning that I don't boast up myself. I don't exalt myself. I'm humble. Understanding that it's not my fight that I'm fighting, that God's already gone before me and fighting that fight. The, the path that I have laid before me is a path that God has laid, not myself. I haven't laid my own path. Humble. Oh, that's, that's, I can't get away from it. Humble. The, the difference in humble and pride. The, the difference in, in me saying, I forgive you, to I'm going to hold a grudge. The difference in saying, my past will hold on to me, and the difference between me saying, I'm going to let my past go. Come on, somebody. Yeah, if we'll get down to business with God, I believe God will get down to business with us. I believe revival will sweep through this place. The fire will go from one to another. And I'm not waiting for it to jump on you or you. Are you? I'm, I'm going to seek God for myself. And when I seek God for myself and you seek God for yourself, we're going to see things change. I believe that. Thank you, Jesus. Humble yourself and pray. Pray being a, a huge part of this.
When I pray, I deny self. Because it's not normal, it's not natural in the flesh to pray. When I, when I close my eyes and shut the world out and say, God, I seek you in your face. It's not normal, it's not natural, but it's a prerequisite for revival. If we don't pray, we won't see revival. If we pray, I submit to you that we'll see revival. <clears throat> my Lord, we need it. Bible says, turn from your wicked way. God, reveal anything in our lives. Reveal anything personally in my life that I need to remove. That I might be fit for your kingdom. Fit for your service. Come on, somebody. If you understand that there's, that there's got to be a time, like David, where I say, create a, a, in me a clean heart, O Lord. And a right spirit within me. A right spirit. Because what will happen is a right spirit will have love, forgiveness. You know, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. You have to get this. If you get nothing else, get this. When we talk about a right spirit, the Bible says love will cover a multitude of sin. What is he saying about that? One, his own love. His blood that was shed out of love that... Cleanse the world with nothing more but I confess my sins to you, God. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. And that cleansing blood washed all the sins away. But he's also saying for your relationships. Because what will happen in life, we'll want to get back at those who do us wrong. But if we'll have love, if we'll have love in place of the vengeance, if we'll have love in the place of hatred, what will happen is it will cover all those wrongs. Come on, somebody. You hear what I'm saying? Because it, it's easy to fall into the trap of Satan where he'll say, they did you wrong. They deserve for you to do that. Have you, ever, have you ever felt that way? You deserve everything you get. You deserve every single thing you get. If you, somebody passed me and, and, and just going in and out of traffic. I said, if you get an accident, you deserve it. That's not love. That's not love. It's Lord protect them until they get smart enough to know that's not the way to do it. Come on, somebody. Love will, will, will change your mindset. Revival will bring love, which will change our mindset. But the prerequisite for, prerequisite for revival is that we have to turn from those ways that we see as wicked. We have to apply this scripture to our life. It's not just a scripture in God's word. It's a road map. It's a help for us. And if we'll see it that way, we'll see a change. You want to see the blessings of God? Obey his word. You want to see the revival of God? Obey his word. You, you want to see a move of God? Obey his word. Mm, I dare you. Woo, glory. I guarantee you, if you obey God, he'll show you something. Come on, somebody. Ah, my Lord, Jesus I'm telling you right now, he said, he will forgive your sin. And what Satan wants you to do and what he wants you to believe is that there's no hope. There's no way out. Your loved one has gone down the way they've gone. There's no way to come back from that. That's a lie. God said that his love will draw. He said, he didn't say somebody was just going to accidentally love him. He said that we love him because he first loved us. That love that God has for humanity is what's going to draw. Revival is needed. He said he would heal. Now, I want, I want to put it in this. I want to put it in these terms. Hear me when I say this. We read the word, and sometimes it, it, it bounces off. 
I don't want this to bounce off. I want you to absorb this. He, the last part of Second Chronicles 7 and 14, he said, and will heal their land. He didn't say he might. He didn't say it's a possibility. He didn't say it, it, it's a chance. He said will. God is bound by his word. Do you believe that? You believe God's bound by his word? He said that he will heal their land. I believe that he's saying that today. He's saying, if you obey me, if you seek my face, if you turn from your wicked way, if you pray, if you do these prerequisites that I'm telling you, if you do these things, I'm going to heal your land. There's some healing that needs to take place. Revival, a prerequisite for heaven, I mean a prerequisite for revival, is that we pray. That we seek God, number two. Isaiah 57 and 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabit eternity, whose name is holy. Oh, Jesus. You've got to hear this. Listen. Listen what God's word is telling us. Turn with me, Isaiah 57 and 15. I want you to see this. Wow. Wow. This is powerful. For thus saith the high, oh, glory, and lofty one that inhabit eternity. We're talking about God, whose name is holy. I dwell in the the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite one. Third prerequisite is we have to be humble. We have to come to God with a contrite spirit. With a humble spirit. And Isaiah 55, 6 through 7 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. When is it time for revival? Not next week, not when we have a special guest, not when we put it on the schedule, but right now. The Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and our God. For he will Abundantly pardon. My Lord, what a gracious God we serve. What a gracious and merciful God we serve. And oh, hallelujah, what part we play in this, the kingdom of God here on earth. What part we play. I I, I think of a, a puzzle and the pieces that fit together. I never had an end piece while I was putting it together. Listen to what I'm saying. I never had an end piece argue with the inside piece. I never had a, 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 a blue piece argue with a red piece. I never had any of the pieces in conflict with one another. You know why? Because when you put them into place, they fit together. You understand where I'm, where I'm going with this? They fit together. Here in the house of God, you have different talents. Every one of you have different talents. And you may think you don't have a talent. God has a talent that's bottled up in you. I I would, as I pray, that God would unleash that talent that he has for you. And it's going to come with revival. I, I wish you could see it the way I see it. I wish your eyes could see it the way that God has shown me. That we are bottled up with potential. And if we could but tap into that potential... And God's saying revival 
will tap into that potential. But when we fit together in the house of God, with the, this person may sing, this person may preach, this person may play an instrument, this person may run the soundboard, this person may do this, that, or whatever it is that they do, but we all fit together. Oh, that's great. A prerequisite for revival is understanding that God has us here and we need one thing, which is unity. And we're going to get into that. We're going to see how revival comes. So we see, just to recap, the current situation that we're in to recognize. I've heard it said before, before somebody can get help, you have to admit you need help. I'm not saying that. That may be a great saying. I'm, I'm not sure, so I'm not going there. I'm not venturing out into that water. But I can say this. I know that if we, we don't realize there's a, an issue and a problem, I didn't know there was a problem until I think it was Matt Fisher that invited me down to, to march and pray, or not march, but to pray at the march um, in Durham. And I, I was shielded, my eyes were shielded until I seen a little boy, couldn't have been no more than three or four years old, dressed with a dress. And his parents had dressed him that way. Had no idea there was people in the world like that. I really didn't. Until my eyes were open to see the need that existed. How could I ever pray for that one? So first we have to understand that when we understand the current situation is that everybody who doesn't love God is against God. And that's the truth. We were against God before we submitted to Him and His call. And those who are not with God are against God. We have to understand that there is a community of people that are like that. A great community. More than the Christians of the world. And it would be foolish for us to think that the Christians outnumber the world. They don't. The Bible said there's many that seek to find the way. Many. But few be that find it. But many that go way of the, the way of destruction. It's a reality. So we understand the current situation. We understand we have to pray for revival. There's a need to pray. We understand there's a prerequisite for revival. And now we're going to see how revival comes. John eleven forty four said, He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. You know who that was? That was a dead man. That was Lazarus. He was already dead in the grave. They had already rolled the stone. They already put him in the grave. They said, he stunk. Just stay away. And you know what Jesus did? He revived him. It didn't come by Lazarus wanting to. It didn't come by the, the, the want to of his sisters. It didn't come by the want to of the village. It came by Jesus. Revival is going to come by Jesus. Not by me, not by you, not by a pastor or a preacher. It's going to come by Jesus. And we have to pray and seek him. That's what he said. Seek my face. Seek my face. We need to seek him. Lazarus come forth and he did. And I think tonight the call to the Christian, not that we're dead. Understand what I'm saying. Don't, don't try not to mix this up. I'm not saying we're dead. I wouldn't say we're dead. I would say we're in a lot of places complacent. Is that, is that true? Would you, would, is that okay to say that? That we get complacent. That it's okay to make it Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Friday night, the Bible study, the 
the prayer meeting, this and that and the other, and we're complacent to that. But God's saying, I want more. I want right now, where you're at today, this present time, to be like the first day that you knew me. Come on, somebody. Listen to what I'm saying. He's saying, I want to be your passion. I want to be what drives you. I want to be what leads you. I don't want it to be no other person, no other thing, but I want it to be me. And that's what God's saying. Acts 2, and I won't read this, just because we know it so well. There was something called the upper room, a place that was a, a, a place of, of waiting and waiting on God. The Bible said they were in one mind and one accord. If we want revival, we have to be in one mind and one accord. We have to be willing to tarry with God and for God. And it may not be here at the altar, but it definitely needs to be in our everyday life. How much time do we give God? And this is for all of us. How much time do we give God? How much are we dedicated to what God is doing and what he's saying to us? I wonder. Matthew 5 and 6 said, Blessed are they which hunger, which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Are you hungry tonight? The question is, are you hungry? Are you thirsty for God? Are you thirsty for what he has for you? Are you hungry for righteousness? Is it that we're, we're not going to allow the world to come into our lives no more, but we're going to push the world out and allow God to lead us 100%. I believe it's possible. I think about the disciples as a close. I think of how they walk with Jesus. And we talk about this quite a bit. How the disciples walk with Jesus. How it must have been. To know that he was the son of God. And that's what the disciples said. We heard it in the message. We read it in his word. He said, who do men say I am? They gave all these things that men said he was. He said, but who do you say I am? And I think that's where it comes back to. Who do you say God is? Who is God in your life? Is he your Lord? Or is he your object? Come on somebody. Hear what I'm saying. Is he the, the thing that you put around your neck and you, you put on your bumper? Or is he your Lord? Is he the one that leads you and guides you? Is he the one that's going to pull you through? Thank you, Jesus. I think, I think about the disciples and how they, they, they must have been around him. And the crowds would gather and how they must have felt. I, I like to think about being in that situation. And I told it in Sunday school, I sort of think of myself as a Peter at times. I'd be the one with the sword waiting to cut somebody's ear off. Just hopping. Just, is it time, Lord? Just, just put your sword up. That's how I feel sometimes. I, I want to feel like I was with Jesus. How would it have been to be with Jesus? They walked with him. They touched him. They felt him. They had conversation with him. And yet I think they missed it at times. Hear what I'm saying. There was a woman with issue, an issue of blood. And she was sick. She got it. She understood Listen to the example she gave us. She pushed through the crowd and did what it took to just touch Jesus. She desired to be with Jesus. She understood that he held the very healing that she needed for her body. And though the disciples would touch him and people would bump up against him, I don't know that it, 
I don't know that it, it, it really sunk into them who they were touching, but it did her. She, she fought her way to get to Jesus. Another story we see that is where the men tore, tore the roof off. Can you imagine somebody wanting to get in here so bad that they would start peeling the roof back? Say, what's in that place is where I need to be. That's why we need revival. As you look around, and it hurts my heart to think that this place is not full. And it's not your fault. It's not somebody else's fault. It's not our ancestors' fault. It's my fault. You have to think about it in terms of yourself. I can't blame you. You can't blame me. If I would have, if I have, would have invited one person to church a month, there would be at least twelve people here today. Help me, Jesus. We need revival. We need to be like the woman with the issue of blood. Mark, if you'll start the music. We need to be like the woman with an issue of blood that pressed through the crowd. They didn't get. Caught up with the way it's always been. Like the disciples I feel may have. But she said, whatever I need to do to get to Jesus, that's what I'm going to do. Would you be that today? Would you say that I'm like the woman with the issue of blood? That no, I'm not sick. No, I'm not dying. But I still need to get to Jesus. I may not be dying, but I still need to get to Jesus. I can tell you this. And I've said this before, but it's a good analogy. If you had been on a run, Brother Matt, I don't know how you do it. Drive all the miles. you And I'm, I'm sorry I used you so much tonight. I, if I owe you anything, let me know and I'll write you a check. But as many miles as this man rides. Do you understand he rides a bike from home to church? If you put me on top of a hill and put me on a bike, I wouldn't make it to the church. This man rides miles. So think about if you were to do that and you got to the church and there's no water in the house. And you're thirsty. And I put a glass of water right here. And you walked in the door. You would probably knock me over to get to that water. If you were thirsty enough. It's, it, it, it's like the, the church is full. We've become full. Full of the word. Full of preaching. Full of teaching. To the point where we sit back and we say we're full. I have to... Not me, I'm, I'm, I'm Pastor or Dan or whoever, Matt, whoever, Jin Ho, whoever it is, has to beg people to come get the water. Come on, somebody, listen to what I'm saying. We shouldn't have to beg. I, people shouldn't have to beg me to come get the water. I should be like the widow woman pushing through the crowd because I want to get to where Jesus is. Last thing and we'll come pray. Think about this, please. It's important. We need revival. It's not so much that we want it. Because revival is going to cost something. A lot of times what you want is something that's going to be easy. Revival is not easy. It's going to take time in this. It's going to take time on these. It's going to take time. And it's worth it. I'm going to read the scripture and then I invite you to come pray. Think of the water. I, I, I don't think we have to beg. I think that we should see our need for God. Second Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray 
seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Would you come pray? Mark, if you'll turn the music up. Oh, breath of God, now.